Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello, everyone. It is that time of the week again. It is time for the Retirement Risk Show. My name's Dave Hall. I'm your host. Very excited to be with you today as we talk about what it takes to get safely through that longest self-imposed period of unemployment many of you will have in your lifetime. Could be 10 years, could be 20. Heck, it might even be 30 or 40. It is what we call retirement. For those of you who are new to the show or have not yet taken the opportunity to go to my website, I encourage you to do so, retirementriskadvisors.com. Here you're going to get access to all the tools, the resources, the educational platforms that we have to help you better understand what your retirement really is going to look like and what you can do yourself now to prepare for that period of time. What we found as we look out to our retirement years is the more we can do today, the more we can simplify the process, the more we can put a plan in place, the more we can deal with the various risks that we're going to face in those later years, the better our retirement turns out. We spend a lot more time enjoying those years, a lot less time worrying that we're going to run out of money and end up dying broke like over 50% of America currently is. I'm going to take the full time of the show today. I'm going to be talking about seven purchases retirees often have buyer's remorse on. Now, most of us through some point in our lifetime have bought things that we wished we had not. We get them home and realize, boy, that was sure a mistake. I shouldn't have spent money on this item. Well, today we're going to be talking about seven items retirees often purchase. Now, understand there are a group of people out there for each of them that are very happy they bought these items. So this is not here to tell you you shouldn't buy them, but to help you maybe take some extra time, maybe rent some items before you purchase, maybe uh, go use uh, some items that someone else has, whatever the case may be as we talk through these, to help you make sure that it is going to be the right purchase for you. One of the biggest challenges we find going into retirement is the retirees usually have the most amount of money they've ever had. We've spent decades saving up for our retirement. We get to age 65 or 70, whatever the age is going to be for us to retire. And it seems like the money can never run out. As a result, Many times we see retirees in those initial years go on spending sprees. They start buying high-ticket items that maybe they couldn't afford during their working years, didn't have the time to use during the working years, get into these retirement years and believe this is going to be the answer to their happiness going throughout the next decade or so. What we find, though, unfortunately, is that for many people, it causes a couple of problems. Number one, they, they don't often use these items as much as they believe they would. And number two, it can take a big financial hit on the retirement saving because many of the things we're going to talk about today are not assets that appreciate that to help us build wealth in our retirement. Many of them, the day you take them home, are going to be worth substantially less than they were the day that you purchased the product. Let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to start with the first one, and that is a boat. Now, I understand boats are not for everyone. In fact, there's an old saying out there that the two happiest days of a boat owner's life are the day they bought the boat and the day they sold it. Now, I realize that for many of you, if you live in an area where you've got water, uh, it's something you've done throughout your working years, a boat could be a great thing. It's an area that you like to spend your time. You can get friends and family out there with you. Maybe you fish. Uh, maybe you just go out and tour the areas that, that the boat can go through. But for many people, what we find is uh, this becomes a big regret. 
because they find they not only don't use the boat like they expect it to, but you've got to store it. You've got to take care of it. You've got to make sure it's maintained. So it's not just the initial purchase price that becomes somewhat of a problem. It's all those additional costs that go with it. My recommendation, if this is something you are considering, go out and rent a boat before you end up purchasing. Go out with some friends. See if it is something that you like. One of the things that I noticed uh, throughout my working career is those who have indoor swimming pools, very seldom do we find they ever end up using them. Why? Because they're always available. I've talked to many people. I've got eight kids, so you look at pools as something to entertain your children, that those who have outdoor pools end up using them far more than those who have indoor there's something about being able to use it all the time that then turns people into a situation where they don't use it at all, that, that it becomes too easy to just go down there to the pool if it's in the basement of the house or wherever it might be. So something you need to look at, and maybe you could get into a rental of a boat, some type of an agreement where you're not committed to paying for those costs consistently, but that definitely is one that we see many people wish they had not purchased that end up purchasing this once they get into those retirement years. Next one is resort living. Now, many of you understand that I lived on the island of Puerto Rico for about five years. This is about as close as you can get to resort living. In fact, one of the big jokes that I used to always tell people is the hardest decision I ever had to make in a day was, was I going to go to the pool or to the beach. The, those were the two options I had. Now, that was not reality. I had five children on the island with me at the time. They had school, they had sports, I had work, all these things that keep us from going out and spending our, our days entertaining ourselves. But uh, one of the things we do find, and I found it there, is it is a situation where it can get old over time, just like anything else. And one of the biggest challenges with resort living is oftentimes the cost, the things in the area, not only from a housing standpoint, but also from a food standpoint, entertainment standpoint, these things can become very expensive. And it may become very expensive for your family to come and visit you the way they used to. So what we often find here as well, so many people would rather be back into the area they were in before, more standard lifestyle that's got grocery stores, Home Depot, Lowe's, those type of home improvement stores around them, maybe the local entertainment versus a resort style of entertainment. But again, there are those who move to these resorts and love them, but we see that this becomes very problematic for many people when it's going day after day after day. And this is really what we found. We enjoyed the island we were there, but uh, by four and a half years, we were ready to come back, get ourselves back into a more normal standard of living, make it easier for our kids to come and visit and stay with us, make it easier for us to even be able to travel from where we were to be able to go see our kids, to be able to go see friends and me take care of business. Number three is recreational vehicles or those RVs. We see a lot of retirees with these traveling across the country. As a result, many of them that do buy them are very happy with their decision. But again, this is one that's not like your normal traveling. If you're used to driving a sedan or a regular car that's going to uh, be very easy to move around when you're going out and traveling, RVs are not that easy. The average RV length is somewhere between 32 and 36 feet, and the top ones range out about 45 feet. I've seen many of these where individuals must be new to driving them 
where they run them into the top of a hotel canopy. They bottomed out in a entryway going into maybe a hotel where the angle was too sharp. Didn't realize they were going to have such a problem with the back end of the vehicle. Realized the cost of gas to maintain these uh, and travel with them is very expensive. And you've also got to have hookups. Most people are putting these into RV parks. So not only are you still paying a nightly rate, you've also got all the cost of the, the fuel. You've got storage costs here as well. Repair costs that are going to have to happen. Again, things to just look at. Now, if I'm going to consider this, something I want to do is to go out and rent one and go see how often I'm going to use it. If it's something that I only plan to use on an annual basis, doesn't make a lot of sense for me to go out and buy a $100,000 recreational vehicle that's going to set in storage most of the time. I do have one of my employees who's bought one of these who does rent it out. Maybe that's something you could consider if you're one who is not against having other people use your RV to rent it out when you're not using it, much like a vacation property would be rented out. He ends up making substantial money off of the rental and then is able to use it a few weeks out of the year for him to be able to take his family on various vacations that they plan. So remember, when we look at these items, for most of you, once you get into retirement, it's not something you're going to be able to do all the time. For some of you, you will. Some of you, you're going to spend a lot of your retirement years, especially during the initial ones traveling around. But if this is something that you're only going to do occasionally, I would say even if you're only going to do it every three or four months, you might find that renting the RV is a lot cheaper than what it's going to cost you to have storage facilities. Now, some of you will be able to put it on your property. Others will be like me. I live in a homeowners association that doesn't allow me to park that type of vehicle here. So I'm going to have to get third-party storage to be able to put it in there. Going to have to make sure I'm using it so the tires don't end up with issues, make sure the engine stays fresh. And what we find is unless you're a full-time RVer, most of you are going to struggle to really get the value for your money. And this is one of the things we need to understand in retirement. We can have a great lifestyle. We can go out and do a lot of fun things, but it doesn't mean we have to own all this stuff. We can often go out and rent stuff and still enjoy the experience in an environment where we're not having the responsibility and the accountability to take care of these things. I saw this throughout my career with very wealthy individuals. Many of them would buy beach homes. Many of them would buy homes in the mountains. They'd buy RVs. They'd buy boats. And over time, what we found is 90% of them were never using these products. And for many, it became a big drag on their vacations because they end up spending a lot of time keeping the items repaired and in good condition so they could actually use them. Number four here is your dream house. Now, I understand wanting to build your dream home. I built my dream home years ago when I lived back in Utah. But what the problem is for many of us is the dream home we want is the one we wanted for our family. By the time we get into retirement, we don't transition from that big house with a lot of bedrooms and a big gathering area into the home that's really going to fit for maybe you and your spouse or maybe you individually if you're living alone at that time. So what we're finding is people are building way bigger homes than they want to maintain and take care of, costing them a lot of extra money to be able to pay for taxes and insurance and cleaning and maintenance and all these various things that come with a dream house. So I would recommend you be very careful here in what you're looking at. Also make sure that it's going to fit and take care of you as you get into those later years. One of the things that in my dream home that we ended up building back in about 2007, 2008, back in Utah, is I made sure it was all one story. I planned to live there throughout the rest of my retirement. Now, 
That isn't what ended up turning out. That is not how it worked. I ended up going to Puerto Rico and lived there for almost five years, and I'm living in Tennessee. But we need to make sure when we get to that point that the dream home that we've always wanted really is the dream home that's going to function for us as we go into those later years when we can't maybe climb stairs, when we're having issues taking care of the, the cleaning of such a big property, if that's what we want. One of the others I see and I've heard some of my neighbors complain about and friends in the area I live in is many of them have very large yards, can be multiple acres that now they're responsible to take care of. And that often becomes part of the purchase process as well. We want a nice home on a lot of acres so the kids and the grandkids and everybody can come and enjoy them. Well, that's only happening one or two weeks out of the year, and yet you're having to take care of all of that for the rest of the year can become very problematic and can become a big challenge, especially as we age. One of the biggest things that I have seen and I will give you advice on if you are looking at a new home in retirement, one of my sons had told me this when he was doing some sales for a group and it was brought up there. They said one of the biggest things that new home sells for older communities, one of the biggest things they're looking for is a large kitchen table. They want that area where people can gather. So make the kitchen big and get a lot of room there, but maybe you don't need four or five bedrooms if you're only going to have someone come and visit you once in a while. More than 50% of CPAs will run out of money in retirement, and this number is projected to grow because of risks like inflation, increased longevity, and rising healthcare costs. Retirement Risks Advisors has the perfect solution to help CPAs make their money last as long as they do. Learn more by signing up for our flagship webinar, Getting Safely Through Retirement. In this webinar, we share the top 10 financial risks CPAs will face in retirement and what can be done to reduce or eliminate each risk. To get started, visit retirementriskadvisors.com safe. Number five, giving money to your adult children. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of us being careful here. We often think it's the right thing to do to help our kids out. I go back to when I was just married. I was very poor. My family was very poor. My wife and I were living in this little studio apartment uh, over in Cedar City, Utah. All one room. Had to have been uh, only two or 300 square feet. Not even sure if it was that big. And one of the things we had not gotten for our wedding was a television. My dad was a television addict. Got to understand, even though we didn't have much else in our lives, he had a television in each room in our home. Now, these were not nice televisions. We're talking about the 1980s. They weren't these big screen TVs we have now. But in every room, including the bathrooms, he had some form of television. So I thought, okay, I, I was the last of the six children. Surely my dad's not going to use all of these now. Got him in every bedroom, bathroom, uh, living room, kitchen, wherever the case may be. Surely I can go ask him for one of these and he'll let me borrow one until I can afford to buy me a television. So that's what I did. I went back to my dad and said, look, we, we didn't end up with a television, although we got a toaster and cooking ware and all these other things for our wedding. We didn't end up with a television. I don't have the money to buy one. Would you be willing to borrow me one of yours until I can get to a point to afford it? And my dad said no. Now, that may seem harsh to many of you. How in the world would you not give one of your kids something that you're not even going to use? But it taught me a very important lesson. I'm so grateful that he did tell me no because it helped me understand that, Dave, you're an adult now. You are out on your own. You're, you're married. You need to take on this responsibility for yourself. As a result, I never asked him for anything again from a monetary side. Now, there are spiritual things and advice that I ask of my dad throughout the years, but I never went back to him to ask for other 
monetary items. And that made a big impact on my life, helped me become more responsible, helped me become more committed to my own family and the responsibilities that I had there. So we got to be very careful. I understand we want to help our kids, but I've seen it even with my own children. When I've been tough and said, you're at a point, you've got to be responsible. They're not often very happy about it. But as I watch over the next year or two, I see so much growth as they start trying to figure out their own finances and what they need to do to get themselves in a good spot. And understand, most of you don't have the money to give away, even though it seems like because you may have a million dollars set aside for your retirement, that you can give 50000 here, 100000 there and be okay. That's not the case because for many of you, that money's got to last 20, 30, 40 years. You need to make sure that you have the money available in your planning. You need to figure out what it's going to take if you do have available assets. Now, if you're someone who has some extra money, maybe you are in a position to borrow money to your kids, maybe even to give some of it to them before you pass away. But for the average person, we've got to be extremely careful that we're not sacrificing our retirement for the benefit of our children. Because really, once we've got them raised, you no longer have a responsibility financially for them. Now, yes, if they're not out there taking care of themselves and society's stepping in to do that, maybe you've got to do something there. But you're not required to be buying them a new car, a new house, all these things that I see so many of those I work with end up doing. Number six, this probably doesn't surprise many of you, but it is timeshares. Now, when we look at timeshares, obviously they've been around for a long time. I have a few clients that are so happy that they ended up buying one of these. In fact, one of my clients, uh, I was talking to him about six months ago, they have one that surprisingly went up in value. It's worth way more today than what they paid for it. But for most of you, that is not the case. We all have heard horror stories where someone's got into a timeshare contract and didn't realize all the associated fees with it. And, And as a result, found that it was not something that they wish they had purchased, but then they go to sell it and find out that it's not worth anywhere near what they paid for it originally. So you just make sure you're careful here as you look at the way it's structured. One of my good friends sells timeshares. He's done it for decades. One time I was trying to better understand the sales process, realizing they were extremely good at the process. So I asked him if I could come to one of his presentations. And he said, no, you cannot unless you're going to bring your wife and you're serious about buying a timeshare. Initially, I thought that was very strange. I'm like, all I want to do is come and observe. But he says, our sales process is so dependent upon both spouses being there, so there's no objection and being able to deflect back to the other spouse and having an environment where everyone in the room is serious about uh, potentially either buying or there because they know that they may be asked to buy and that they're going to be asked to buy one of these timeshares. So he said, I'm not going to allow you to disrupt that process. We spend too much money building a system that allows us to take out all the concerns that people have so we can get them to make a commitment so we can sell these products, which means we ourselves need to be very careful if we're getting into this environment that we're not getting hyped up to buy something that as we get it, we find out we have buyer's remorse and realize it's not something we should have spent our money on. And how do you solve this problem? 
you just go out and you travel and you realize that traveling is going to maybe be a little more expensive to pay for it uh, for the actual week that you're going on vacation, but you didn't have all these fees throughout the year. And this is one of the other things that I, I don't quite understand why we struggle with so much. We're very happy to spend large amounts of money to buy items, to believe that somehow it's free when we use it, that we've already paid those costs. So we're not having to spend two, three, four, ten thousand $10,000 out of pocket to go on a vacation, but yet we spend $100,000 to pay for the asset, whatever it might be, whether it be a timeshare, whether it be an RV or whatever that case is. We need to start looking at it from an overall perspective and realizing that we need to take all of those costs into play. Again, you look at an RV or even some of these timeshares, you look at how they devalue and you look at the money that you're putting in and the amount of time you're using them, you're going to find that for most of you, much cheaper to just go out and pay whatever the cost is to be able to either rent or to uh, use these uh, facilities. Maybe you're going in using someone else's timeshare where they've incurred all those costs, but they're not going to end up using it at the location you're trying to go to. And the last one here, number seven, is fancy cars. Now, for many of you, uh, especially men, not, not only men, I realize women like cars as well, but we've gone through our working years. And, and if you're someone like me that's got a lot of children, all my vehicles have been family vehicles. When we look at it for what we drive, we've had Suburbans, we've had Denali. We've had minivans. We now have a, a large disabled uh, handicap van that we use for our kids, far different than the standard uh, sports cars that many men especially would like to drive. But then you, you've got a product that is going to devalue the minute you take it off of the showroom floor. So got to be very careful here. I did have a good friend once that decided he wanted to buy a Ferrari. Thought this was going to be his dream car. He was going to be able to have it for his retirement. Goes down to the dealership. They allow him to, to sit in the front seat of it. He's 6'5", about 250 pounds. He immediately has a panic attack. If you've ever been in any of these sports cars, you realize for a larger man, not a lot of room inside of there. He has a panic attack, flops himself out on the showroom floor trying to get out of there because he's so claustrophobic, to which the sales agent says, uh, obviously, this is not good going to be the car for you. There are many ways you can rent these cars, very similar to your RVs, uh, boats, these type of products. Many people are out there allowing you to rent them and use them uh, once in a while if you choose to do so. But again, the key concept of all this today is not to allow you to have happiness in your retirement, not to allow you to not enjoy your retirement, but to be fiscally responsible, to look at what you're buying Look at what you will use it for and then do a cost analysis to figure out if it makes any sense or not. And if it doesn't, there's no reason to invest all of your money into these various products that you're very seldom going to use. And as you look at most of what we've talked about today, most of them are products that most people are only going to do once or twice. Now, the other thing you need to understand is the first year or two of retirement is way different than the rest of your retirement. For many of you, you've spent most of your life working. You've not been able to do a lot of the things that you hope to be able to do in retirement. So year one and two, you go out and you do most of that. Well, then you get to a point that you realize that, yeah, it was great, but either it's way too expensive for me to continue to do this, or it just doesn't make sense with my family structure and medical issues that I may be having, whatever the case may be. So we slowly stop doing all of those things at the level we were doing them before. And again, when we look at the list we've talked about today, many of these items are on this list. 
a boat, a fancy car, an RV, but resort-style living, many things that we'd love to do for short periods of time. But we realized that that life we were living before that we enjoyed for 30 or 40 years while we were working, that's not so bad. How about if I go back and enjoy that same life in retirement? Yes, it was fun to do all of these other things, but I really wanted to go back to the normalcy that I had before and the ability to do things around the, the home there or the area I'm in. And it's going to allow you to do that if we can manage our money and manage our finances. Folks, those are the seven purchases retirees often have buyer's remorse on. Again, if you're one who is happy that you invested your money in any of these products, that's great. But if you're one who's contemplating it, look at how much you're going to use it. Look at your own budget. Figure out if it's something that truly can be afforded inside of your retirement plan. Look at how much it will depreciate afterwards and then make an informed decision on what you should do. My name's Dave Hall. I've been your host. I look forward to seeing each of you again next week where we break down and talk about other items that can help you get safely through retirement. And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. We come out with a new episode every Friday morning and you don't want to miss it. If you want to continue the conversations from our podcast, join Dave every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time on the Retirement Risk Advisors Facebook page as he answers your retirement questions live. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talene and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com.